words of the Gospel of Luke as we hear the story of Jesus' ascension. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. He led them out as far as Bethany, where he lifted his hands and blessed them. As he blessed them, he left them and was taken to heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem, overwhelmed with joy. And they were continuously in the temple, praising God. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I will never forget when my youngest was about three months old and after we had been on leave with her, taking her to daycare for the first time. And, and, and my oldest had been in uh, like a home situation for childcare, but, but my youngest, we, we were taking her to, into like an infant classroom at a church preschool. And, and I remember like we had checked it out, we had done the research and everything, but leaving her there uh, was a very frightening thing. And as it is for parents oftentimes when they're first leaving kids with like a new babysitter or, or we have the fear of like a toddler who has separation anxiety and that they're just gonna go crazy and we're gonna forever damage them, uh, things like that. Not that any of you have that experience in your life. And the only hope that we had for a little while was this song from Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood uh, where they sing grownups, grownups, come back. That was what we sang uh, to our children, but I think it was really to ourselves uh, to comfort them. And what I find interesting about this story about the ascension today is that the disciples are not sad that Jesus has gone away and that he's ascended. And they aren't afraid or scared about being left alone. And I wonder why. Because are these disciples suddenly well-adjusted? After all, throughout most, most of Jesus' ministry, they either acted like screaming toddlers or impetuous teenagers the whole time. And so have they all of a sudden just grown up when Jesus ascends to heaven? What happened? Well, the disciples are waiting and looking for the power from on high after Jesus ascends. They are hopeful. What they are looking for is the power of the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus has promised will come to them. It's the same power that Jesus possessed, the same power that he carried out his miracles in doing and promised the disciples that they would have that same power. It's the same power that will imbue the disciples at Pentecost and beyond. In fact, the ascension is really incomplete until Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit falls. It's sort of like how Good Friday is incomplete until Easter happens and Jesus rises again. 
And what the disciples are doing in this passage, right, they go on worshiping after Jesus ascends. It says they're continuously in the temple praising God. It is a hopeful waiting that is going on. The disciples at this point know that it is not if the Holy Spirit is going to come, but when the Holy Spirit is going to come. It's sort of like an imminent marriage proposal that's going to happen. Like when the two people have talked, and she's even sent like what rings might look like and stuff like that, or at least told her best friend so you can contact them and find out. And, and, and every time you go somewhere, they think it's going to happen that time, it, like that. The disciples know, they know finally that Jesus is going to furnish them with this heavenly power. And what he gives them in this place then is sort of a contingent commissioning. You are going to be sent to do this mission, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. It's contingent, right? Like, they can't go and do it yet. He says, like, just stay there in the temple. Like, just stay in Jerusalem. You're going to get furnished with the power. Then, then you can go and carry out this mission to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. So the disciples are hopefully waiting for this power. The disciples also finally understand the scripture, it says. They, they are a part of God's mission to all the nations. But this cannot be fulfilled until Jesus ascends and leaves his spirit. This has been God's plan since the beginning. It, it tells us that Jesus explains to them the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Another way, in a, another way of saying like the entire Hebrew Bible up to this point. And finally, it clicks for the disciples. They finally understand post-resurrection what Jesus had been saying and promising all along. Jesus ascending is not an accident. It is part of God's plan all along to establish God's reign on the earth. And it all goes back to the blessing that was to Abraham. Back in Genesis 12, which is way back when God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the families of the world will be blessed. The disciples, and then us, secondhand, are witnesses of these things. Jesus tells them, you are witnesses of these things, right? He's going to tell them to be his witnesses wherever they go. And he has promised them, I am going up to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Jerusalem, right, is at the center of this plan at the beginning. But in Acts 1.8, when Jesus ascends in that text, which is the continuation of Luke, right? There's Luke is kind of, Luke is part one of the story and Acts is part two of the story. Jesus is going to say, go and make disciples in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? And it keeps building out in these larger concentric circles, fanning out to the entire world. The disciples also know in this case that they are not orphaned. We talked about this even in John 14 just a couple weeks ago. They are never alone. So when Jesus ascends, they don't feel like they are abandoned. For in blessing the disciples, Jesus places them forever under the loving care of God. The act of blessing, the act of blessing has power. See, when, when Jesus blesses them, it is a promise. God is doing what God said God would do. 
So when we stand up here and give the blessing at each week and the kids are here with me blessing all of you, we are reminding you of this promise. It is a promise of God's power and of God's presence in your life. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder on a weekly basis of God's presence and God's power in my life. This past weekend, as part of our as part of this placemaking lab that we are doing for the Connection Hub in conjunction with a program through Duke Divinity School, uh, three of us, my, myself and Eloise and Joe Budd, traveled to Washington, D.C. It was like a 24-hour whirlwind trip where we saw four different churches that are doing four completely different things uh, with their property and thinking about how to use it for God's glory. And all of these churches, most of whom are about our size, have taken big and bold and almost insane steps to do God's work in their community. The last three churches we went to, none of them being bigger than ours in attendance, built affordable housing complexes on their properties. And the average number of, of, of units was over 100 units apiece on each of their properties. Some of them completely tore down their existing church structure for the new thing to come. Now, don't get scared. Like, I'm not going to suggest that we bulldoze where we're sitting right now, okay? That's not, that's not in the cards or my suggestion. But in every case, there was this compelling sense for these churches about witnessing to the power of God. They are not scared of what the future holds for them or of how this is going to work, but rather hopeful. There was a sense of calling to do God's work and to take pretty crazy and extreme steps. Stuff that I think is on the forefront of what churches are, be, are called to do in the life of our communities. Crazy steps for God. Our Connection Hub team is continuing this work of discernment. And so going on this trip was part of that discerning process. And right now, at this point, where we are feeling led and drawn to is to the mental health crisis that's in our community. We're feeling like, as we continue to talk and listen to both folks in our congregation and in our community, the issue of mental health keeps coming up. And I think we would all acknowledge that even pre-COVID, it was a crisis. And now, after the reality of COVID in our world, mental health is, is, is a primary need in our community. And so we are thinking about how we might utilize the Jones Franklin side of the building to bless the community somehow by providing mental health services. We're talking to various, various folks in that world, thinking about what that looks like. We don't have any like, explicit plans for exactly how that's going to be carried out at this point. And we're going to continue to share and, uh, and, and to have conversations together as we do. But I want to kind of share with you where we are going this completely matches our church's mission of connecting isolated people with God's family. I, I, I would argue that the vision that we were trying to think about in 2015 and 2016 together, part of that is going to be fulfilled in what we do with that side of the building. When we think about people who are in the throes of isolation, we know about story upon story of folks who have taken their own lives. We've seen it even right here at NC State with eight different students committing suicide in this past year. I mean, the, the numbers are astronomical and, and, and keep rising for all levels of our community, for people we know who are in need. Now, will we solve the mental health crisis 
No. But we can be the witness to the power of Jesus by repurposing part of our building for this clear and pressing need. Just as these churches that we've witnessed in D.C. I mean, one, one Presbyterian church literally now has a 180 apartment facility on its acreage that is used to, to, to meet folks who, who are 30 to 60 percent of the average median income in their area. And in the midst of that, as the church received lease money for that, was able to make their, make their space more accessible and open to others. Blessed to be a blessing, to serve in ways that churches never thought we would use them for, or, or, or in ways that are kind of, they feel cutting edge to us just because we're thinking a little bit outside of the realm that we have always thought of. But really, churches have always, always sought to meet the needs of our communities. To say, what is God calling us to? That's why there's so many saints and Baptists and Methodist hospitals, right? It's because they were started by churches. That's the, that's the root of healthcare in our country. It's the root of education. Friends, we have hope like those disciples at the ascension, knowing that the Holy Spirit's power is going to fall upon us. We are on God's mission together, convinced that what we are doing is not just about us, and we are blessed with God's spirit as we wait, as we wait in our modern day for Jesus to return. And so we can pray, furnish us, O God, with your heavenly power. Bless us as we seek to bless others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.